We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bellant. Well, welcome back to the Brave Co. Podcast. This week, I'm back here with Allie Valentin, my daughter-in-law. Oh, I am excited to be back. It is always so fun. I think all the guys, all the men are going to be stoked to have you back because (laughs) whenever we're on together, it's one of our top listened to podcasts. Oh, okay. Add some diversity in there. (laughs) I think so. All the manly men voices. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Um, This week, we're going to talk a lot about anxiety. And we have some questions from uh, people that that sent it in, but Mm -hmm. I think we're just going to dive into the topic of anxiety, you know, um, and you're going to ask the questions, but I do, I do want to start out by saying I was talking to a friend the other day and, um, he was saying, you know, actually his friend was having a conversation with him and saying, man, when we were kids, uh, there, like our friend group didn't have a lot of anxiety. It feels like kids didn't have a lot of anxiety growing up. Mm. And, but it's interesting because we were having a dialogue about this. He said, I told my friend, it wasn't that we didn't have a lot of anxiety. We didn't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't really a hot topic. We didn't bring it up. Uh huh. And I, and I was thinking about that. And, and so what I was telling him is most like in my when my dad grew up, because he's older than the guy who I was talking to is older than me. He's kind of my dad's age. Yeah. When my dad grew up, like they didn't have a lot of language for anxiety, depression. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't common knowledge. Do you know like what I mean? Emotional health in general. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I started thinking about it, like my dad had tons of anxiety. He yeah. had bullies waiting for him, you know, right. chasing him home from school all the time. His yeah. stepdad was just crazy. I mean, he was just filled with anxiety. Did he ever talk about it? Mm-mm. There's probably stigma around it too. Yeah, like, tons of stigma yeah. around it. And so just make sure you're talking into your mic. Oh, yeah. You're great. <laughs> Tim will edit that. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> yeah, there was tons of stigma around it and just honestly a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Just an overall lack of knowledge. Yeah. And in the last 10 years, maybe 12 years in the church, I've seen, and just in, in society in general, yep. there's been a major rise yeah. in awareness, in equipping people, yep. helping people have the right tools, know what to do, but mostly even just identify, like how the heck do I identify what's really going on inside of me? Yeah. And then what, what do we do about that? So I'm super pumped to talk about this uh, subject because so many people struggle and and even if you don't struggle personally, like you know someone totally that needs help and and that could use some tools. So totally, I'm ready, Al. All right, what well, you I got? have a bazillion questions for you today. <laughs> <laughs> we got a long list of questions Let's on anxiety. Okay, should we just kick it off? Yeah. Do okay. It. So the first question that someone sent in um, is: Is anxiety a sign that we don't trust God wholeheartedly? Mm. Yeah, uh, not necessarily because anxiety comes from a lot of different places. Yeah. Right. So um, when I think about anxiety, when I was a kid uh, growing up, 
uh, I had OCD and we'll t- we can talk about this more. Like we can dive way into yeah. this because uh, I think it's important. But somebody who has OCD, their brain doesn't work the same way that like maybe a normal person's brain works. And uh-huh. I didn't find this out till I was older. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have OCD because of a lack of trust of God. Mm-hmm. I had an OCD because of the way that my brain works. And OCD caused me so much anxiety. And without actually recognizing like, oh, this is OCD. This is what it does to me. And this is how Mm -hmm. to navigate it. Yeah. I would just get stuck in these cycles of rumination. Mm -hmm. And I'd get stuck in like these unsolvable problems. Mm -hmm. At least for me, it felt really unsolvable. Yeah. And it was just creating tons and tons of anxiety. So, you know, it's not necessarily like even a God uh, faith level trust issue mm-hmm. oftentimes anxiety is uh your body's way of coping with unmet needs yeah um coping with unknown situations right, right? like uh, i don't know what's happening right now and i'm not sure how this is going to end right and i would say like some of that could be like in the god category but a lot of it's not right it's um you know, think about children, for instance. Mm-hmm. If you don't create a safe, predictable, um, comforting environment, mm-hmm. I mean, kids are just full of anxiety. Right. It's not like, oh, they have issues. They need to be like better Christians or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, no, we actually need certain things in our life in order to thrive. Right. And without those things, without your needs getting met, you begin to experience anxiety right. and or depression right. and, and that becomes a big part of your life. So yeah. um, it can absolutely be that. Yeah. You mentioned OCD and okay. I, I'm curious. I feel like that's, yeah. that's a whole other big topic, but you mentioned how you would ruminate on certain thoughts. Mm-hmm. Is that OCD? Cause I feel like sometimes in society, the, the person with OCD just gets the bad rap because they're like the person that's like hyper clean yeah. or like is super organized yeah. and can even be kind of like obnoxious in their approach to needing things to be yeah. such a certain way. But it sounds like maybe that was different for you. No, it's true. Um, so what happens is it's a, a obsessive compulsive, right? So mm-hmm. you get fixated on... Uh, a thought, a fear, mm-hmm. um, and <clears throat> like, and we're just going to talk about this on super layman's terms. I'm not a doctor. No, it's great. So, you know, if you want the, go to like, I don't know, go to somebody else if you want the doctor's <laughs> explanation, but here's how it works. So basically for me, I would get fixated on something being wrong with me. Yeah. And it, it, it could change depending upon the day. This fear that, um, this spot, maybe the spot's cancer. Yes. Um, maybe this anxiety is not going to go away. What happens if it doesn't go away? Why is it here? How long is it going to last? What happens if it keeps yeah. it? And my brain would literally, I would get stuck on that. And so what happened, here's really what happened. And I'm, I'll just gonna, I'm just going to, we'll just That's go great. down this road is I had spent, I had, um, spent a whole childhood just drenched in fear, mm-hmm. not really knowing it. Um, at 27, I went through a nerv- uh, 29, I went through a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. where I lost use of my arms. I've talked about it a yeah. little bit here uh, on the podcast, but lost use of my arms. My muscles twitched all the time. 
I had anxiety all the time, like could not get out from underneath it. Totally. And finally had to get on uh, medication. Yeah. Just to get my head above water. I was Mm -hmm. literally drowning. I went like that for a year. Couldn't, couldn't get out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Couldn't get the anxiety to lift except through medication. Well, I got on medication for, from 2010 to 2000, um, I'm going through my years. When it is 2020, yeah, like 2020. 10 years. Yeah. So I had 10 years of medication, right? Yeah. And then finally I was like, man, I don't want to keep doing this. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. I just, and I just started to realize like medication is not a horrible thing. We talk about it a little bit yeah. more if you want, but uh, super necessary helped me out a lot, but like, I want to be free from the medication. Right. So I weaned myself off the medication in 2020 mm-hmm. and which was a crazy year to wean yourself off right. medication. I remember that. Actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Had a brand new baby, mm-hmm. uh, COVID. The world is all yeah. in sorts. Mm-hmm. And 2019 was probably the best year of my life. Wow. Yeah. As far as like feeling peace and wow. excited about my life just for a lot of different reasons. And then 2020, I wean off a of medication, have a baby, COVID comes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm like back to, holy crap, I'm feeling so much anxiety. Wow. I'm back to like, just like what's wrong with me, panicking. Yeah. Not even necessarily panic attacks, but just I couldn't get out from under it. So mm-hmm. I call my friend, her name's Margaret Nagib, which we've had on the podcast yeah, I before. I love her. She's mm-hmm. a savage. And I was explaining to her what's happening to me. And she goes, oh, Jay. Uh, sounds like, uh, she said, oh, people who have OCD experience these kinds of symptoms. And she Uh goes, I'm not telling you that you have OCD, which Mm -hmm. she could have. She's a, she's a psychologist, so she's free to do that, Uh but she didn't want to like freak me out, you know? Yeah. And so ultimately that's when I realized. So, wow. So this is like, this is very fresh in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I realized, oh my gosh, the challenges that I'm facing today are because of OCD. And I've mm. had this my whole life. Like I can have this as, I've had this, this thing that I do as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And when I get really drained, it's just hard, a harder hard, fight, yeah. right, to manage. Yeah. But ultimately what happens is your brain gets fixated mm-hmm. and it gets, it, like a thought comes in your head. And for me, it's, um, it could be anything, mostly medical, yeah. physical, something yeah. wrong with me, right? And so it could be as stupid as like, oh, I have to pee. I wonder if I'm going to have to pee a whole bunch today. Mm-hmm. Oh, what happens if I never stop having yeah. to pee? Which people are going to be laughing listening to this, but that's a real torment that I went through for a long time. And then what happens? I end up peeing like every half an hour. Yeah. And then <laughs> so it's like, you're, yeah. You're and then you're it. freaked out because uh-huh. all I'm focused on is like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. What's the causes of that? And so your brain gets fixated. It's like a record that just keeps skipping and skipping and skipping. That's yeah. literally what happens. You're building a neural pathway in your mind. Yeah. yeah. And that's how my brain processes this type of information. And so ultimately, um, she taught me three really incredible mm-hmm. uh, principles what to use they? to undo this. Well, for 1999, do you know what I mean? I'll sell them to people. Oh, it was <laughs> yeah. like the year 1999? No, I was like, you're digging no, us back. For $19.99. Okay. <laughs> And I'm going to take off my sweater because I'm hot. (laughs) 
All right. I'm back. You're back. So the first one is there's there's three basic things that you have to do to help break the cycle, right? Because mm-hmm. if you can break the cycle just for a few minutes, it resets your brain. Yeah. And you're good to go. Yeah. So the first thing is to recognize. That's the first R. There's three R's, recognize. Mm-hmm. And I help people a lot with this, uh, with these tools. They're super effective. Mm-hmm. But if you can recognize that your brain is stuck in a cycle, stuck in the loop, yep. then uh, it typically um, that's enough for me now to go, oh. You become aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, this isn't even a valid fear. Yep. This isn't even a valid concern. It's not something I have to solve. Right. It's just, that's what my brain does. Right. So the next one is to relabel. Hmm. That's the second R. So there's three R's. Recognize, relabel, and then refocus. So the relabel is, there's a phrase, um, that's not me, it's OCD. It's not me, it's OCD. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I'll be walking through anywhere, I don't know, Walmart, um, and have a thought pop in my brain. Hmm. And then the next thought is like, oh no, right? And then hmm. I recognize right away like, oh, that's that loop. Yep. Oh, that's not even me. Yeah. That's just OCD. Yeah. Right away, I'm already on the path to uh, dismantling it. Yeah. Right? What I used to do is go through this whole myriad of things. And your emotions are like all To try to, oh, what's the Bible verses? What's the scriptures? Mm. What's God spoken over my life? What are the prophecies? What? A, right? Wow. I'm trying to like combat fight. this fear. Yeah. You're in and fight mode. Yeah, I'm trying to combat like this, this attack on my body and this... Mm-hmm. Negative. Wow. So, and the last one is to refocus. Mm-hmm. So it seems so simple that people are like, I don't know. I feel like I need to do a marathon or something, an emotional marathon to actually No, If you can refocus. So again, your brain has a really hard time doing two things at once. Mm-hmm. And so like you can read a book backwards. That'll break the cycle. Hmm. Cause you can't focus on reading your, the, your book backwards for a few pages it's a really hard thing to do yeah. <laughs> and ruminate. Uh-huh. If I put you on a jet ski and hit go. Right. Right. You all of a sudden you're ripping across Shasta Lake. Mm-hmm. You can't do both. You can't be like, oh my gosh, my life's horrible. And yeah, be in control of this. Yeah. Thing. Uh-huh. And as soon as you get your brain enough time to like stop ruminating, mm-hmm. to stop skipping, yep. it will reset. Yep. And you're off, you're off to like back to your normal life. Right. And so here's what worked for me. Mm-hmm. And this, I just love it because it's in the Bible mm-hmm. and it's super effective. So, um, Philippians four, mm-hmm. right. says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, let your kindness and gentleness be, um, uh, be evident to all the Lord's near. Right. So mm-hmm. like be kind to people. God's here is basically right. what it's saying. And it goes on to say, like, if you need anything, feel free to ask God. Mm-hmm. And, but then he goes on to say like, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Yeah. And it goes on to say, like, finally, if there's anything cool <laughs> worth thinking about, right? Awesome, lovely, pure, holy, right? Like, think about those things, right? Yeah. Meditate on those things. Okay. So, here's what I learned how to do, mm-hmm. and I'm at like ninja level twenty. Yeah. On here because that's how bad my OCD was. Mm-hmm. And what it was doing, here's what would happen. I'd get into bed and I'd have this thought, I hope I can sleep tonight. 
Yeah. Or what happens if I have anxiety and I don't sleep? Two seconds and, before that, I was tired. Right. No, and then you're just stuck there. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and then you're, the great, the worst one is the fear of having fear. Yeah. You know, the anxiety of having anxiety. Oh, horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. So <clears throat> I would wake up in the middle of the night and to go pee and then be like, oh no, what if I can't get back to sleep? God, <laughs> you're <horrible>. screwed. <laughs> it's horrible. Then you're angry that you had that thought, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just making it relevant for people. No, right. Like, and some people are mad that we're even talking about it because they feel like, oh no, I, I just got, I just wasn't thinking about, you know, Right. it's real. So what I would do is if I had one of those thoughts and then all of a sudden it starts mm -hmm. and then I feel fear, right? I feel anxiety, Yeah. which for me, feeling anxiety, I could feel like that hot flash mm -hmm. come over me Yeah. and then you're your heart rate right like, starts to yeah, pick affected. up your breathing gets mm -hmm. a little bit faster and you feel that tight chest yeah so i'm just describing it so people can also understand the signs of anxiety yeah right and and then your muscles tense up right i could feel that right and then all of a sudden i go oh yeah okay this is what's happening my brain's stuck in a loop mm -hmm. that's not me this isn't me right like this isn't a legitimate fear Right. This isn't something that I have to solve. Is the OCD? It's what just what my brain does. Right. No big deal, right? I'm already like coming down, and then I go into like crazy gratitude. Yeah. Which I'll demonstrate mm -hmm. right here. So for me, with gratitude, I would just start with I am so thankful that I got to spend last night watching half a movie with my wife, and I'm thankful that my daughter is two years old and is growing up and wants to have deep conversations with mom and dad. And mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for my son, Liam, who's nine months old, who's not only learning how to crawl, but um, is gonna have a life full of connection and love and joy. And I get to provide that for him. I'm mm -hmm. thankful that I feel so seen and known and loved uh, specifically by, by my wife and that I get to live a life that's full of abundance. And I'm thankful that I have a, a friend named Trey who's into hunting, but also loves his wife well and his kids well and knows how to have a really uh, good relationship. Like I go into that type of detail, yeah. right? Like I'm detailed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And quick in detail. And I'm diving into the things I really am thankful for mm -hmm. before you know it. Like I'm done. That's it. Yeah. It's over. Right. When it could have been this deep, dark path. Of yeah. Time. Because you try to solve something, right? Like, Oh, here comes the anxiety. It's in your brain. And, it's uh, just and then you go down this road yeah. of fighting it. Yeah. Now I'm fighting anxiety. Mm -hmm. which is such a horrible plan because it's not like you're going to solve the anxiety, right? Your anxiety is just your emotions mm -hmm. that are heightened. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the truth about our emotions is they have a lifespan. Yeah. So that's the other thing is, is when I talked to Margaret, we did a lot of this on our podcast too, as well, which people can go oh, back and cool. listen to is your like your emotional, uh, for instance, if you feel fear, yeah, that has a life cycle. It has, mm -hmm. it's like 19 second lifespan, right. Uh -huh. Of the actual emotion it comes. So like if I said, uh, for instance, what happens if you don't sleep? Mm -hmm. Well, that, that fear comes in and it ramps up. Mm -hmm. And if you just allow it to do its thing, it will come right back down. Interesting. Yeah. yeah there's Not a life cycle to it. Yeah, mm -hmm. but what happens is it ramps up and then we typically tell a story that's not true or project more, you know, fear onto what's already yeah. happening. 
or afraid in yeah. what you're feeling, right? right? And so we can talk about some more tools, but for OCD, the the biggest thing for people is to recognize, oh, I'm struggling with OCD type symptoms. Right. So I'm not here to diagnose anybody. No, totally. I was going to say even, I'm like, this. The, these symptoms sounds, I'm like, I don't know, very similar to moments of just extreme anxiety for me or seasons where I've felt this yeah. kind of same thing where it's like this one thought, this one thing is the same. It's like a record that plays in my mind all day and coming to a place where finally realizing, and I always thought this is like in a similar vein of like, oh, it's a belief system or it's mm -hmm. a thing that I'm believing about myself to be true yeah. that recognizing it, oh, this is a lie and just going, oh, toss that out. So when it comes back and it tries yeah. to tell me this thing about myself, yeah. I recognize it as, yeah. oh, that's anxiety. Oh, that's, oh, that's OCD or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's a lie. Which can be, it, it can be true, right? Like there's a definite difference between someone who struggles with OCD mm -hmm. and someone who just struggles with a lie that was told to them over and over again. Right about their life, right? Right. And so like somebody could have been told since they were young that they're worthless. Right. And so anytime they get around people, especially people they deem valuable, yeah, they're oh, like, I'm, I'm worthless. Nobody. Yeah. And that thing's just running around in the mm -hmm. brain. Okay. Well, yeah, we have to learn to identify lies. Right. And then well, what do you do with that lie? Mhm. Mm you know, how do you how do you debunk or combat that lie it is super important. So yeah, right. that, that, but there's a definite difference mm -hmm. between, so yeah, people with OCD germs, there's germs everywhere that right. you can't see right? that you may be in contact with right now, mm -hmm. which makes you feel out of control, right? Because right. like, I'm, what if I get sick and right. if I get sick, then it then ruins this thing. Is, yeah. And then if it does this thing, then that thing's going to happen. And there's, it's never ending, mm -hmm. right? That's a never ending road that what if yeah and you yeah. can't your hands can't be clean enough and mm -hmm. so yeah that's ocd and again going back to utilizing the three r's i mean it's huge yeah. massive yeah like so this was a massive massive change in my life literally changed my life it's huge honestly that's crazy yeah so you also mentioned um taking medication yeah and somebody asked I take medication for anxiety. Yeah. Am I not trusting God? Which you've explained a little bit, but maybe you could just dive deeper into the whole medication talk. I think it has all yeah. sorts of ideas. Well, yeah. Well, here's the deal it. is, and this is more, more and more mainstream is people need to be getting their, their blood tested on a regular basis mm -hmm. because if you're deficient in, let's say vitamin B or sorry, vitamin D, mm -hmm. If you go and look, people should Google this. Mm -hmm. Just Google what the side effects of being deficient in vitamin D. Yeah. It is crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, vitamin D is like a hormone. So Yeah, it is a hormone. Yeah. And so it affects your thinking, it affects, you know, anxiety, depression. It just affects so much of your body. Well, you also see that like 80% of people nowadays are deficient in vitamin D. It's crazy. So it's, you know, I I just hate doing this thing of like if you feel this, then you don't trust God. Right. Or if you feel this, then you don't have right. enough faith. Well, because we're body, soul, and spirit, so it's all connected. You are. You're body, yeah. soul, spirit. And, and it's true. That's such a good point. And so mm -hmm. it's really hard to diagnose, like, is this a spiritual thing? Yeah. Or is this a body thing? Right. Or is this a soul thing? Right. Because the other thing that causes anxiety is holding all kinds of emotions in, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just something's going to happen to me. It's like, I'm carrying all this pressure. Yeah from uh let's just do dads right like i'm a mm. i'm a young dad i've got new kids 
I've got work yep. to take care of. I got my wife and her emotions. I right. got these new babies that I'm taking care of. Like there's a lot of pressure that just comes from that. Yeah. Okay. Are you talking to anybody? Right. I'm just stuffing it all down. Or are you just stuffing it? Because yeah. let's say that you don't solve any of that. Let's say there's nothing to solve. Yeah. Let's say that it's just matter of fact. Mm-hmm. You got kids. They have needs. Right. They need your time. You have a wife. She needs the process. She also needs your partnership. Mm-hmm. Right. You have a job that you feel successful at, but yeah. it still has demands. Right. Let's say there's like nothing to solve. Yeah. Just, just not in, just by not processing your life mm-hmm. with somebody openly, you'll carry tons of anxiety. It's true. Because you have to be talking and processing through your life. It's part of how we go. Exhale. (sighs) And I'm fine. Right. And we've all experienced that, right? Like you come in and maybe Elijah comes home, which is my son, your husband. Yes. And you just had a long day and you're all like pent up. Yeah. And you offload that to him. And he goes, uh-huh, wow, okay, yeah, oh, mm. It doesn't even say anything back. He just does no, grunt. Yeah, He's just, just grunting listens. to you. Uh-huh. And then you go, oh, let's watch wow. a movie. <laughs> the whole world seems better. Yeah, totally. Yeah, what happened? Oh, I, I just offloaded. Yeah, just let it out. You're just yeah. holding it, holding it, holding it. Mm-hmm. If you take a horse and you separate a horse from its pack, that horse will literally kill itself trying to get out or it will, like my mom's horses will starve themselves. If you separate them and you put them in separate pens, oftentimes they won't eat, they'll starve, like just because of the connection piece. Yeah, it's like why, why what is that? Oh my gosh, now I'm, but like in jail when you're, the highest max security is to, or punishment is to confine somebody. Yeah. What is that called? Solitary confinement. Solitary confinement, yes. Like it's, it's the biggest, it's the, well, we have needs, right? Right. So we, we were designed for connection. Yeah. So, uh, psychologists will say that social isolation, isolation is more damaging to the human body, Mm -hmm. right? Than smoking 11 cigarettes a day. It's crazy. So actually more damn, more physically damaging, right? Not just mentally, more Mm -hmm. physically damaging than smoking 11 cigarettes a day. Right. Which is crazy, guys. Like, think about that. Being alone inside of yourself. Is horrible. Horrible. It is horrible. And our society loves to, like, praise the guy that can just take it all or not talk about it or just deal with it. Like, look how strong he is. Mm -hmm. That guy's got a lot of anxiety. Yeah, we were not supposed to meant to live like that. That guy's got a lot of depression. He's got a lot of fear, right? Totally. So I can't remember what your original question was. Medication. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, medication to me sometimes makes it a fair fight. And we started, we walked down this road of like, okay, well, let's talk about vitamin D. Uh Let's talk about, um, I was on Lexapro for a long time. Mm -hmm. And again, like I'm not recommending any drugs or whatever, but that's what I was on. Mm -hmm. Nervous system regulator. And um, that helped me for a long time. Actually... I was so mentally and emotionally exhausted. Mm-hmm. I'd wore myself down so much that yeah. my body shut down. So my legs were twitching all the time. Mm-hmm. My arms were literally, my muscles were twitching all the time. Lost yeah. use of my arms. So the only way I got that back was through medication. Yeah. And we do have deficiencies. So, you know, I think when you start to 
work with a really knowledgeable doctor and mm-hmm. do blood work and figure out like, okay, what's really going on with you? Yeah. To me, like medication can be a friggin' lifesaver. Yeah, can be. And food's medication. Right. Right? Like when you look at it, I mean, eating well, exercising. Yeah. Yeah. And so how much of our American diet mm-hmm. is... Like how much are we having to compensate for what our diet is today? Yeah. You know, and we're not all going to become farmers. Mm-hmm. So on some level, like we have to, we have to supplement what we're not getting. Right. So I'm just like a mass. I'm on a, just a, even me. So I got blood work done six months ago. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back in here in another month mm-hmm. and go get blood work again and just see where I'm at compared to where I was in. Mm-hmm. You only get one body. Yeah. You you only get one life and to me like I want to invest my time, my money, my energy into optimizing every area of life that I can. Yeah. That really matters. Right. And my physical health is I mean if somebody said, "Hey, I'll give you 10 million dollars." But you can't live th- three more days. You're like, "Oh, that's Not a bad right. deal." <laughs> right. So you start to realize like, "Oh, uh, health is more important than money. Right. It is. Yeah. yeah. It, it really is. So anyways, yeah, medication, I don't think it's a horrible thing. You know, st- study up on it though. To me, it's like get a great doctor, study up. Mm-hmm. And then to me, it, I don't, you can't just do medication mm-hmm. unless it's like a vitamin D thing where it's like, okay, that literally is just causing the problem. Mm-hmm. But you also need to do you also need to, to add some tools to the toolbox to figure right. out like why are you having a hard time right. managing your anxiety, managing your triggers, you know, with your world. So a lot of people get on medication. So maybe I could say like the downside is a lot of people get on medication mm-hmm. and they never do the other work. Right. Because they think it's solely just a body issue. Yeah. So yeah. Versus, yeah. oh, we're actually we yeah. have a soul. You yeah. In our world yeah. today, right? Like we don't get enough sunlight. No, it's so hard. We don't and that get enough stress exercise. that someone might feel. Like I remember going through a season like this when I was in college. Yeah. And same thing, not to the point my body wasn't functioning, but to the point my body wasn't functioning. And for sure, you know, they were trying to figure out what's wrong with me and going to the doctor. And I literally think back to this. I'm like, oh my gosh, he saved my life because he, he looked at me and I remember him saying like, yeah, your blood work is showing all these things are massive problems, but I could give you all these medications, but if you don't do anything about managing your yeah. stress, you are going to live like this for the rest of yeah. your life. Depend on these things. And it was such an eye-opening moment for me. I mean, I was only like in my early 20s, yeah. but it was very much like, holy smokes, I have a for real problem. Like I got to figure out what is causing all this beyond just my diet, like, yes, I could have changed a few mm-hmm. things and gotten better physically, but there was going to just be a continual cycle in my life if I didn't sort out the other stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. the challenge, our, our culture is so unrealistic I know. right There's now a lot of pressure that a 20 year old, let's think about a 20 year old, mm-hmm. a 20 year old is behind. Yeah. I was oh. not successful enough. The amount of stress that would cause me in the day <laughs> i'm already behind yeah in life like i should i should know where mm-hmm. i want to go i should be the ceo should be of successful. that company <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know how to get there mm-hmm. right how am i going to find somebody how am i going to build a perfect life right it's a lot it really is in a lot of pressure and i know that we harp on it a lot but the our our hustle culture that we have in america for sure mm-hmm. but in the world 
honestly is so detrimental to our health and success. It is because you can't go very far if you're not well. No, you can't. And and to think that you should be, you know, a multimillionaire, successful by the time you're 26 is like, come on, man. Yeah. Like th- that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And to think that you have to, even just our, our ideas of what he- what's healthy and what's unhealthy is just so crazy. So anyways, yeah. talking about anxiety, I think one of the major causes to anxiety is our unrealistic expectations uh-huh. of of where where I should be that I'm placing on myself and then trying to keep that pace. It's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Lots of pressure. Way too much pressure. We talked a little bit about needing connection, needing to share that yeah. burden with somebody. Ooh. Someone's asked, sharing my secret sin with my wife scares me, mm. but I can feel anxiety building, not telling her, what do I do with that? Do I tell her? Will it go away? <laughs> Etc. You know how that goes. (laughs) Yeah, I do know how that goes. Um, so, I mean, I deal in this world a lot Mm -hmm. because uh, just helping men and women, right? And people have secrets. I mean, almost everyone has secrets. Mm -hmm. I say almost because I don't have any secrets. Thank God. (laughs) And do you have any secrets? Mm, no, Ali. No, I mean not that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'll tell you all right yeah and and we all think that you know we we keep our secrets because we're afraid mm-hmm. and we ma- we typically mask or justify that and I just don't want to hurt the other person right right like I don't want to hurt her mm-hmm. I don't want to throw her into a tailspin and uh, that just wouldn't be a good thing to do gosh okay so for starters like let's not justify why we're hiding our secrets mm-hmm. the truth is you're just afraid right. and maybe secondary yeah be nice to not hurt my wife. Right. But on the flip side of, the, of this worse. all mm-hmm. is you get to have a, um, a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. And so, but here's what I like to say. Like, if you're the guy that has, you know, the kind of secret that is going to upset your world is I've been having an affair. Right. Okay. Hey, maybe before you just drop that bomb on your wife, mm-hmm. like, hey, I've been having an affair. And I don't know what to do about it. Or I had an affair five years ago. I don't know what to do about it. Okay. Maybe before you just drop that on your wife, like um, maybe set up a time for the baby, for the kids to be babysat. Mm, right. Do you know what I mean? Like have <laughs> a plan. Have a plan for that. It's already been freaking five years. Right. Like set up a way that your wife can process. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe go see a counselor first. Mm-hmm. And, ask for specifically like how do you think I should unpack this for my wife Mm. so that you already have somebody else to come back to right like I got a counselor or or best friend Mm -hmm. like let's say you go I don't know a counselor okay great do you have a responsible best friend right that you could tell first Mm -hmm. hey this is what I'm struggling with I know that I'm going to need a plan I know I'm going to need support I'm going to tell my wife like Mm -hmm. is there any tips that you could give me in order to set up, like, you know, my wife. Right. And I, and here's why I say that is because I think sometimes we don't do a great job just in preparing, like giving enough space mm. or even with a plan yeah. 
So we put her in the spot, right? Of like, I'm looking at porn. I've been looking at porn since we got married Mm -hmm. and I'm just tired of it. I don't know how to deal with, I don't know how to deal with it. And then all of a sudden she's like, okay, well, I'm glad he told me, Mm -hmm. but then she has to deal with all the emotional pain Mm -hmm. that comes from you looking at other women, which I'm not saying shame on you. It's just facts. Right. Right, right. And then, oh my gosh, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And um, how do, do we tell our kids? How do we tell our kids? Like, those are all normal things and you don't have to figure everything out, mm-hmm. but gosh, if you can give her a weekend to process without the kids. Mm-hmm. And then if you already have researched some programs that you can do, mm-hmm. right? Like for instance, um, the transformation center, Bethel mm-hmm. transformation center yeah. that I oversee, mm-hmm. we have an addiction program for men. That's mm-hmm. phenomenal. It's nine months long. It mm-hmm. costs you money, mm-hmm. but Every guy that I've sent there has gotten crazy breakthrough. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a guy that doesn't. Right. Yeah. But every guy that I've sent there so far has gotten phenomenal breakthrough. Wow. Great. That's a great option to go to your wife and to be like, hey, I've got a few, I've got a few places researched that I'm gonna look into, but I'd also love your input, right? Yeah. So I think you also have to be in a position to hear her anger. Mm-hmm. And for her to not be okay with what you've done. Yeah. And for your marriage to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Because it's not going to be okay. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't be okay right away. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you've been hiding something from your wife, like, it, or if a wife's listening to this, and you've been hiding it from your husband, like, you should expect that to hurt. Yeah. And they're going to want to talk about it. Right. And they need to be able to talk about it without the fear of your horrible... Defensiveness. Yeah. Or, yeah shame or whatever but just owning it yeah yeah so you know i I think that and at the same time you have to realize like the secrets that we hide they define us yeah and they put a limiter on how confident you could be how free you can be how connected you could be so you're only as connected as your deepest secrets right that sucks yeah so offloading those you know i have lots of marriages that i've helped through divorces Mm-hmm. Or sorry, not divorce, uh, affairs. affairs. Mm-hmm. And the marriages that buckle down and actually deal with it, mm-hmm. they're better than ever because they don't rebuild the old marriage. They create a new one. Like mm-hmm. they create, it's a, they literally will come back and say like, we have a marriage like we did, we, like we've never had wow. because you're doing things that you've you never done in, before. Yeah, you're putting in the work. So yeah. it's like a real marriage, right? Like <laughs> she's pissed off at first and angry at first. But then when you start showing up for her emotionally, mm-hmm. when you start dealing with your stuff, like. Oh my gosh, she's married to a new man. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. It's massive. It's really huge. I hear one thing you're saying, because one of the little side questions in this was, like, I feel anxiety building, but Mm. I want to tell her, like, the anxiety beforehand. Sounds like, but it sounds, I mean, you answered that, but just clarifying, like, you create a plan for your worst nightmare on the other side of telling her, you know, creating space for what what's your plan if it doesn't go the yeah. way you would hope it would go? Yeah, and I think that's setting yourself up for success, mm-hmm. right? When you are able to talk to a, right. a mature friend mm-hmm. and maybe a counselor, so you can handle her like, oh man, she's right. not going to be happy with this. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got someone to go back to, yeah, and and you've got a counselor already set up, and, and you know, and maybe she's maybe she's got somebody that she can talk to as well. But yeah, yeah, I I think anxiety is just an in- indicator that you have a need. Hmm. So you feel lots of anxiety because you're hiding and you're afraid of, you know, all, all the things that you probably should be afraid of her getting upset, you ruining your marriage, you yeah. know, 
are you going to be able to lead your wife through this? Mm-hmm. The anxiety isn't the problem. Mm. You know, the only way that you're going to get rid of that anxiety is by going through it. Right. Or medicating, right? Like you can drink alcohol and you can cope with it. Yeah. yeah. But you're only going to get rid of it by going through that. That anxiety is, you are the home for that anxiety. Yeah. Because that's what secret stuff does to us. That's true. Impossible to have peace. Yeah. Doesn't exist. Right. Wow. That is powerful. Yeah. Um, so kind of in a different vein, but similar, somebody's asked, public speaking terrifies me. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can go down the route. You can put in whatever your yeah. most terrifying fear is. Yeah. What are, For Elijah, it's yeah, the walking dark. out in the dark. <laughs> My son's terrified of the dark. Yeah, I, He's like... I, it's like this manly man. <laughs> I know. I use that sometimes on him. I'm like, you know how you feel about walking in the dark? That's how I feel about it. And he, he'll instantly be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I get it. But I just have to do it. <laughs> like, terrified. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, what are tips for, for facing that fear? Uh, being prepared. Hmm. So, for starters, I think a lot of people are uh, afraid of speaking in public. And, and yet, they don't prepare enough. Yeah, that's good. Like, it's like, oh, I just think, get up oh, there just and have nothing it. to say. I'm just going to yeah. wing it. Right, right, right. And expecting that you're going to do an incredible job. Mm. No, you're not. Um, so yeah. for me, I have this, I have this like whole thing that I do. Mm. And for, for things like speaking in public, yeah, everyone feels some sort of anxiety or, uh, yeah, anxiety is not a horrible thing. So mm-hmm. let's just maybe we should have started that in the beginning. Anxiety is not a horrible thing. <laughs> right. I jump into the ocean and there's lots of sharks swimming around. Anxiety motivates me to get out. Like right, there's like healthy fear. Yeah. And unhealthy yeah. amounts of fear. Yeah. The idea that I get up in front of a thousand people and speak, I want a little bit of anxiety. I want right. a tiny bit of fear that says you better freaking prepare. You better do a good job. <laughs> you better do a good job because right. this is what it's going to feel like if you don't. Right. So sometimes it helps you to to really hone in. Being able to control your anxiety, being able to build to a place of confidence. Now that's what we want to be able to do. Right. Right. And so for me, I know that sometimes I still experience anxiety, public speaking, not a problem. Because I also know that if I've prepared enough, Mm-hmm. If I get excited about what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then if I start well. So what I've realized is if I start with a story that I know really good mm-hmm. or that I'm excited about. Yes. Instead of start from a Bible verse or start from whatever. <laughs> the deepest, yeah. Like trying to explain a hard detail. Right. If I start with a story, all of a sudden I go, oh, and everyone goes, oh, yeah. because I'm into it. And this is something I'm passionate about. And it doesn't really matter what you're talking about from fly fishing to, you know, chasing bears. If I'm passionate about it, people are going to at least enjoy it. Right. And it's a good story. And we like good stories, whether we're mm-hmm. really interested in them or not. We right. like a good story. Exactly. And, and a good storyline. And so if mm-hmm. I start there, well, now I've given myself a really good chance to be successful. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'll say specifically with public speaking, and we can talk about, you know, other, other types of mm-hmm. fears is, um, a lot of times the anxiety is coming from how am I going to do? Hmm. Am I going to look like an idiot? Right, right. And the problem is your focus is on the wrong thing. Yeah. You're worried about your ego. Yeah. You're worried about your reputation. You're worried about 
It's all self-centered. Right. And so much anxiety comes because we're self-centered. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, I'm on a mission mm-hmm. and I'm fulfilling this mission. Yeah. And, and, and so let me give you uh, just a short story. Yeah. When I first started preaching, I came on staff when, at 24 years old, Bethel Church. Mm-hmm. And, and so right away, right, like I share a pulpit with some of the best speakers in the world. Right. Uh, my dad and Danny Silk and mm-hmm. Bill Johnson. And then I share a speaker with theologians. Like right. I share a pulpit with theologians. They're sitting out there in front. Right. And if they want to, they could tear apart everything. So the amount of pressure uh-huh. and then the audience that I'm speaking to is used to listening to that quality of right. teaching. Right. That's a lot of freaking pressure. Right. So I remember the first couple of times I got up to speak and I don't have anything to say. I'm 24. <laughs> 24 year olds don't have anything super significant to say. Mm-hmm. A lot of. A lot of them. <laughs> yeah, you got to If you've studied that, right? Like of your own stuff. If you've studied, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. so I remember I got done speaking and I was just so insecure. And I just felt like, man, I don't know. I didn't do a great job. And while you're up there speaking, you're thinking, how am I doing? It's just so annoying, right? Mm-hmm. It's so distracting. And I felt, I felt God say this to me. He said, hey, right now you're doing this for you. And I was like, a little, definitely some conviction, (laughs) yeah, some conviction, some healthy guilt. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's right. And he said, I want you to, I want you to speak to change people's lives. So here's what I started to do. I actually found this, this tool. If I find compassion before I get up there, like if I can hyper focus in on this is why I'm doing this, which also guess what works for all kinds of things in our life. If I can find my why, I mean, you look at guys who go to war. Yeah. Their why supersedes the fear that they feel going into battle. Yeah. Like I have such a strong conviction about what I'm going to do mm-hmm. um, that it supersedes this thing that I'm that I'm feeling. I get my attention and focus off of me mm-hmm. and onto why this matters, yeah. why this is important, what my mission is, what I'm doing. And I think that, you know, that's a massive key. So I spent used to spend an hour or so before I would get up on stage listening to music that helped to inspire compassion in me. Hmm. Could even be like Eminem. <laughs> which sure, people are gonna laugh. They can it. laugh. They just like, <laughs> oh my God. No, for reals. It could have been could be a song that's like, okay, it's what we do before a basketball game and a football yeah, game, like, right? Comes like to you up. Yeah, we're listening to Thunderstruck by ACDC. We're getting <laughs> pumped up. What am I doing? Oh, I'm envisioning myself crushing, hmm. like crushing my opponents. There's a the real reason why we do that. Mm-hmm. I'm getting beyond, what if I get hit really hard? Yeah. What if I throw an interception? What if I don't do well? Mm-hmm. And into like, we're going into Office. war. Yeah. Offense. Uh-huh. So, you, you know, we got to do this. We got to do a lot of that. Right. The other thing that I'll say, so on the same subject, yeah. but- is most of anxiety comes from the story that we're telling ourselves. That's really good. Not yeah. necessarily what's happening. Right. The fear of what's hap- of what's going to happen is uh-huh. way more powerful than what's actually happening. Right. And way worse than what's actually happening. Right. So um, there's a quote, and I won't get it perfect, but it says, the love that you fear today, the ri- the success that you're afraid of oh i'm gonna butcher it it's okay 
<laughs> didn't actually originate Okay, I'm I'm not going to try to do the quote. Here's what it says. It says, the love that you're afraid of, the relationships that you're scared of, the, the circumstances that cause you anxiety today are rooted in the trauma that happened mm. in your past. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, I wish that I if I had five minutes, I could find it, but it's not even worth it. Yeah. Because the whole point is... I'm not terrified when I, after my divorce, when I met my oh. girlfriend, Lauren, uh-huh. I wasn't terrified about Lauren, although I was terrified when I was with Lauren, uh-huh. I was terrified because of what had happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the story I told myself, hmm. oh, I wonder if she's lying to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder if this is going to be, if it's going to be as painful as it used to be. Right. It's my past pain. Yeah. That's creating this narrative, this story. Right. And because I have past pain, right. I have a story. Like I have to battle this thing that's yeah. like, oh man, what if she does the same thing? And we all have that on some right. level, right. but some of us have it worse than others. So if you have some trauma from your past, mm-hmm. a little T or big T from your yeah. past, that's telling you a story. It is, yeah. And we live inside of those narratives. Right. So if you don't challenge that narrative that you tell yourself day in and day out, then you are literally creating this world that isn't even happening. No, it's dictating your life for you. And often you think that you're avoiding it. Yeah. Because you're so aware of it. Right. Because you're like pushing that thing away. Yeah. Yeah. So could be someone who uh, genuinely, legitimately wasn't cared for well as yeah. a child yeah and then nobody's going to care for me good yeah so as soon as you get into a relationship that person hasn't even done anything to you you're already you're already building a case against them you already mm-hmm. coming to them with your with your walls up yeah and, and the thing is is like it's not other people's jobs to tear down my walls right it's my job right but when you come with these presets already and you're not challenging those and going okay Mm-hmm. Hey, you're just really afraid right now. So I remember the first time I went on a date after my divorce was final. Uh-huh. So I went like, uh, I waited like a year and a half. My mm-hmm. divorce was final. I waited a long time. I took this girl on a date. And I remember sitting across from her. We we're eating at a restaurant. And she was telling me this story. And the whole time I was like, oh, that's probably not true. Oh, she's not telling me the truth. Oh, she's probably lying to me. And while that she's brutal, yeah, it was crazy. And while she's telling me, I realized, oh, this has nothing to do with her. Wow. It's not like I had to somehow like fix the story. Mm-hmm. I just had to recognize what is reality and what isn't reality. Like Jay, you don't need this thing to dictate how to dictate the rest of this Your relationship. Life. Yeah. So yeah. part of it is like. Um, even with the OCD stuff or so much of my life, I've had to realize "Mm, what I'm telling myself right now is a projection. Mm. I am, and I'm predicting that things are going to go bad for me. Mm. That's not a great way to live. No. Yeah. That, that is a, uh, that's a great way to live in fear and anxiety for the rest of your life. Right. So, you know, uh, Margaret would say to me, my counselor, 
uh, when I was going through just a bunch of different stuff. I remember one time I was processing through some fears I had mm-hmm. about work. Mm-hmm. And she was like, so Jay, like none of that's happened. And I'm like, no. And she said, what would your life be like if you just didn't have that thought? And I was like, mm, I don't know. She's like, well, okay, let's take that out of the equation. What would life be like if you didn't have to worry about this, this, and this? And mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, well, I'd feel free and I'd feel, yeah. and she'd be like, okay, let's start to create a story. Let's start to change, like literally change the story that you're telling yourself. So mm-hmm. a good example is, I know I'm talking, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but no, I, this I'm is trying really, to create a framework no, for people. Yeah. I used to have this story mm-hmm. in my mind that yeah. I was fragile. Wow. I went through a nervous breakdown. Oh, I see. I, right? Yeah. Like I lost the use of my arms. Mm-hmm. I laid in bed for 15 hours a day. I couldn't make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. I couldn't drive my car without using my knees mm-hmm. to steer. Like it was that bad. Mm-hmm. So even when I started to get a little bit better, I was terrified. That you were going to wind up back there. All of a sudden. Yeah. Because that's how it felt like. How, how the hell did I get here? Because I was just out of control. Yeah, I was just out yeah, of control, that's right? scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how people feel about relationships, whatever. Yeah. So for me, it was just physical, right? And so I had this story in my mind that I'm fragile and I'm always going to be fragile. And and my dad was the one that actually pointed it out to me Hmm. because I'm like two years uh, post breakdown and I can't walk a mile. My muscles hurt. Oh wow. Yeah. I had chronic um, tendonitis in my elbows. Mm -hmm. So I had all this, like I had this, this case, right. That like, Oh, I am. And so my dad, one time I just broke down, I was crying and my dad, uh, I called my dad and I was, I was getting ready to, to speak at a church, which is just like torment. The whole scenario is tormenting, right? Yeah. I'm in a hotel with my wife and my daughter and I'm just like, have so much anxiety. I call my dad and I'm crying and I don't feel like a man. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, you have this word written across your head Wow. and it says fragile. And when he said that, like, I just started crying even more, right? Because it like just really hit home. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh And he said, yeah, that's, um, he said, that's a spirit. Mm. It's telling you that you're fragile. Mm. And so I literally, the, like the other piece that saved my life was me changing the way that I saw myself. He said, Jay, you're not fragile, you're agile. Mm. And then I had a couple other people that spoke like a prophetic word over me. That was really powerful mm-hmm. about me being strong mm-hmm. and courageous and doing even I had a guy come and he gave me uh, a fillet knife. I used to fish a lot, mm-hmm. but I'd put it down because of the tendonitis and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I just felt like I was supposed to give that to you. And when I asked God, like, why did he give me a fillet knife? Yeah. And God's like, I'm restoring stuff to you. Wow. Like, you're going to be strong. Mm-hmm. And so I would wake up every morning, honest to God, going, you're not fragile. You're agile. And I would start seeing myself like that, Mm -hmm. right? Because I had built for so long this story in my mind that I was this weak, fragile, Mm -hmm. like susceptible, uh, any other synonym for weak and fragile. I had built that. I'd built an empire. Right. You're believing it. Everything you do. I'd play basketball with the boys for 20 minutes and be afraid that my body was going to be broken. Yeah. Yeah. And so I slowly, day by day by day, every time my brain went to anything weak, fragile, I would go, Ooh, that's not me. Yeah. That's a lie. Yeah. And I'd come back over here and build up like, Oh, this is who you are. This is what you get. 
And, but I just was okay with small incremental changes and growth and small, right. and I was super kind to myself. Yeah. And so I slowly worked myself into, well, the massive beast that I am today. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> but what's right. the story you're telling yourself? I mean, that's really powerful. You think about what, the story that you're creating and how it dictates every decision that you make. You couldn't even play basketball with your kids. No. Nope. Like I'm going to sit on the sidelines and watch them play basketball. Yep. Not because it's real. It's because it's, this is the story that I'm telling myself because I actually have so much fear that I'm going to wind up back there when actually that's not what's happening at all. Created and we fragile. Do, yeah. And we do that in all areas of our life, you know? Yeah. People don't like me. Right. Uh, they're going to find gonna, something wrong right. with me. Guess not, what happens? Yeah. You just. People don't like you <laughs> because you're not being you mm-hmm. and they find something wrong with you Yeah. because you're not being you. Um, oh, I'm, I'm going to get rejected. Well, you do get rejected. You get rejected because you don't press into real relationship. Yeah. Cause you're waiting for them to reject you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, life's not going to work out good. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to hold the job down. Well, you don't hold the job down. You don't hold the job down because y- y- you don't put your full effort into it. Yeah. It, it literally become self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. What are you telling yourself? Yeah. It's powerful. And maybe it'd be helpful. Like if you really want to dive into this just a little bit more, write down what is the, what is your, what is the sum of what you think most days? Yeah. It's, yeah. If I was to inventory. Yeah. If I was able to go like, okay, Allie thought this Mm. yesterday, this today, this tomorrow, this, like, let's look back on the last three weeks and paraphrase. What is the theme that you've been telling yourself? Yeah. Write it out Mm -hmm. in a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And based upon what that says, I mean, you can tell where you're going to go. It's huge. Yeah. You got to change it. Yeah. It's not, and listen, it's not just positive thinking. No. It's not, yeah. this isn't like guru stuff. <laughs> right. Right. But the truth is, this stuff really matters. Well, it's, it's it, I mean, it's, and I don't know, I'm going to butcher this, but in Proverbs it says, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you, if you're thinking that about yourself, that's who you are. You want to know a fun study in this just to kick this dead horse a little bit more? Yeah. <laughs> so there was a, a study. Uh, I believe I found it in a Maxwell book, but forgive me if it, if it was uh, mm-hmm. something else, um, where <clears throat> they took uh, a school and they split the kids in half. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't actually put them in separate rooms. They just categorized them. Mm-hmm. Half, the, half the school. Oh, this is Angela Duick. This is oh. where it comes from. Uh-huh. It's a growth mindset and I a fixed like mindset. Heard of this. Yeah, it's uh-huh. awesome. So they took half the students and they told them, you guys aren't excelling. Mm-hmm. You're not actually meeting our expectations. You're kind of the weaker half of the students. So that's the message they sent them. Yeah. They took the other half, which they were just random kids. Right. They didn't sort them. Mm-hmm. They took the other half of the random kids and they told them the opposite message. You guys are our best students. Mm-hmm. You are our up and coming students. <laughs> You're doing further you than projected. Yeah. yeah. They did the same thing with teachers. Wow. They took the teachers and they split them in half, just categorized them. And they said, you know, you're not really reaching our standards and you're not doing a great job. We're giving you the kids that are lower standard. Holy they flipped it around <laughs> and did that. The opposite, right? You yeah. are our best teachers uh-huh. and you really have what it takes to teach the highest level of student. Uh-huh. I mean, you can even feel it right I now. I know. I'm right? like, God, if I was that teacher. Right. <laughs> totally. Then they looked at all their test results. Mm-hmm. After all this, the teachers and the students mm-hmm. and the, the students who were told you're not really doing good. Mm-hmm. You're, you're lower than expected in, in not just your GPA, but 
in your output yeah. and students or in teachers, you're not, they continued to test lower and their test scores were lower and lower and lower and lower. And lower. Wow. But the student that was told, man, you're incredible. Mm-hmm. You have something special. Mm-hmm. Just put a little effort into it. And the student and the teachers that were told the same thing, mm-hmm. they progressively grew mm-hmm. throughout the year. They got better and better and better. And her whole point is we're not fixed, right? Right. Like if you think that this is who you are, you're dumb. You right. have a low IQ, you're dumb. Right. Well, you will you'll play that out. Right. Why learn anything else if I'm dumb? Right. And or you are you have this genius ability to learn. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you walk around with, oh my gosh. I'm brilliant. Yeah. I have the potential to be brilliant. And her whole mm-hmm. point is you're not fixed. Like your That's brain's it. a neuroplastic. You can grow in your IQ. You can grow in your EQ. Mm-hmm. You can grow in your ability to communicate. You know, there's obviously some things that are like, I'm never going to be 6'6". Right. Right. <laughs> I could be 295 <laughs> if I wanted to, but I'm never going to be six, you, you know? Right, right, right. But the whole point is like, you create the world that you live in mm-hmm. through what you entertain day in and day out, That's the story that you're telling yourself. And when we're talking about anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. this ter- controls the volume. Really the good. story is the volume. Yeah. It's really good. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Okay. I feel like we have time for one more question. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. This person. Okay. These kind of go hand in hand, but somebody has asked, um, I have a fear of missing out. It's very real. FOMO. Yeah. They really have FOMO. <laughs> it's a very real thing in my life. I have a hard time shaking it. Any advice? Yeah. Uh, I had that for a long time when I was young, right? Uh, I was up and, everyone says when I was young, up and coming counselor. <laughs> oh yeah. And I was, I just was so afraid that I wasn't gonna, that people were going to find somebody better. Mm-hmm. And if I like, if I didn't keep taking a bunch of clients and right. I wasn't even getting paid for them. Yeah. I mean, I was just, a, I was a pastor, right? Uh-huh. I was a pastor and then I oversaw the school ministry. And so, but that's, you know, and then I did that with opportunities, going yeah. to preach and going to speak and whatever, hunting opportunities. I, mm-hmm. I have this thing that like, oh, I if I don't take yes, this now, they'll never ask me yeah, again. It's yeah. a poverty mindset. Ooh. Yeah. There, there's not enough to go around. Mm. Yeah. And I'm not going to be satisfied unless I get this. Mm-hmm. That that poverty mindset drives you to make a bunch of instant gratification decisions. So you're not actually building the life that you necessarily want. It's just all reactionary. Yeah. So much of it is reactionary, right? Because mm-hmm. like, if you really think about it, instant gratification is the pathway to hell. Yeah. I mean, it just is. You could just dig yourself. Yeah. It really is. Think about what decisions have you made really quick to to get like quick gratification. Right. That have been the best decisions. No. None of them. Right. Almost none of them. Mm -hmm. Like very few, right? Right. Very few uh, wake up early. Maybe I should sleep a little bit more. Right. Well, how many times have you slept in that you were like, man, I'm really glad I slept in. Totally. Very few. Totally. Uh, I don't feel like working out today. Maybe I should just go relax. Mm-hmm. How many times when you go and relax instead of working out, do you feel great about it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I should buy this thing right now. I have to have this thing instead of like s- about this? saving money. Mm-hmm. Right? Is this something I really want? 
uh, dating a person. Um, if I don't date somebody, I'm just never going to get married. Right. So, uh, you know, all of us in our world that we live in today mm-hmm. have deal with some level of fear of missing out. It's true. Yeah. My friend just did a podcast the other day. Uh, no, it wasn't a podcast. He did a, a post. I won't mm-hmm. say who it is. And he said, how I lost $400,000 last year. Hmm. You know how he lost $400,000 last year? Spending it. <laughs> All of his friends were just hitting it big in crypto. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right? Crypto. Mm-hmm. Everyone's hitting it big. Crypto's going off. And used to be able to buy whatever, Doge or Dogecoin at, Right. And now you could buy it and look where it's going, even uh-huh. Elon. And, and then start building this case, right? Like Ethereum used to be, I remember when Ethereum was 20 bucks. And I actually have a friend who's multi, multi, multi-millionaire off of, I have several friends that are off of cryptocurrency, right? So that heightens it. You're just like, oh, I'm missing out. Yes. Yeah. I should be doing that. I should be building wealth right now. Uh-huh. And I'm not. Right. So he put a whole bunch of his eggs. In one. Yeah. In this basket, yeah. which it's not, I'm not saying shame on him. This is him saying it. But the, the motive behind it wasn't that I think this is a really great decision for my life. The mode behind it is I don't want to miss out. Right. All my friends are going to be at a place where I'm not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, we all make bad decisions sometimes. Yeah. Don't make a, don't make a decision based upon your fear of not being taken care of, not having enough. Yeah. Especially when it stretches you out of your place of favor. Right. And burnout. Right. And burnout. You yeah. Just get yourself into a spot. So you have to, you know, you have to 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 really take a look at that and go, okay, once again, what's the story I'm telling myself? I'm telling myself there's not enough. Mm. There's only a little bit. If I don't get it now, it's going to be gone. It's good. 9 times out of 10, that's a really bad way to make a decision. Yeah. So, what's the other story I could tell myself? I really want to be successful. Mhm. I have an opportunity right now. It seems like maybe it could get me there. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be proud about this a year from now? Mm-hmm. What's the possibility that this really brings not just uh, instant gratification, but long-term? That, uh, what's, am I going to be happy about this decision a year from now? Yeah. Is this building long-term investment? Because really, if you, if you really think about it, anybody that's listening to this podcast right now, if you take the next 15 years of your life, and you build towards that goal, 15 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. What do you want your marriage to be? Yeah. 15 years from now, mm-hmm. not tomorrow. Right. What do you want your marriage to be? And you go like, oh, I want it to be really connected. Mm-hmm. I want to feel competent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to have good sex, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and you start today. What decisions do I have to make today? You're probably going to have to sacrifice a whole bunch today right. and tomorrow and the next day, right? Like you're going to be listening to e-courses. Let's just take marriage. You're going to be listening to e-courses. The first year of your marriage, the first year Mm -hmm. like of this plan is going to be, you need tools that you don't have right now. Right. You need to learn some things. Mm -hmm. It's also going to be, you're going to be painfully present at when you get home. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. You're not going to check out anymore. Right. You're like, well, dang, (laughs) I don't want to do that. I want instant gratification. Well, do you really want instant gratification? Because that instant gratification is costing you. Right. But it's kind of like building building another muscle because if you've been so used to using that one muscle, it's all you know. And learning like, oh, I actually have the strength in this other area if I just wait a little. Yeah, if I you, just use it a little bit. That's true. Yeah. 
You know, the best way that I've found to do this is to suffer in a group. (laughs) To do it together. Do it together. That's true. Yeah, 100%. You have some accountability. If you don't want to be in this mode, the the best way to to grow, the best way to ward off this instant gratification crap that we all deal with Mm -hmm. is to have the pack mentality. Yeah. Right? Like as a group of men. So I have 12 guys that I meet with every single week. Yeah. And... We go, okay, where do we want our marriages to be? Mm. Where do we want ourselves to be? What do we want to be able to say as a father? Mm. And together, right, we are all going, this is where we're heading. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have a connected marriage. I'm going to have a connected marriage because I'm freaking doing homework on the weekends. (laughs) Writing out my life story. So right now, last week, what they did, what the guys did that that I'm discipling, they wrote out the highs and lows of their life. They mapped out their life and went, mm. here's all the really crappy places. Here's the crappy things that happened to me in my life. Mm. And these are successful businessmen. Yeah. These guys don't have to do this. Right. And But they go, I want the best life that I can have. Yeah. Because they're tired of just the instant gratification. They're tired yeah. of like the, I come home, I do just enough at home to, yeah. you know, get to where I can watch a movie in bed by myself. Right. It's not really fulfilling. That's not the end goal, right? Yeah. So now the end goal is the same thing I did in my business. Mm-hmm. The way I grew my business, I want to grow my personal life. Yeah. And I want to grow my internal world. I want a mm-hmm. world full of peace, mm-hmm. full of strength, full of success. And so the the real problem is, you know, most people don't have somebody that they're running with. They don't have a group of men that they're running with. And so they're trying to battle all these things on their own. And that is, a, again, that that's Exhausting a really quick battle. way to poverty. Right. Build your world on your own. That's Be true. a self-built man. Yeah. So to, to this person, whoever wrote this, I would say it, you have to understand that today, what, what you gratify today is probably going to rob tomorrow. It's probably stealing from tomorrow. Wow. So, you know, you have to change your poverty mindset because you're, you're not called to set up your own legacy. You're called to leave a legacy for your kids and you have to break the poverty mentality, mm-hmm. right? That was handed to you. Yeah. Like eat Wonder Bread, drink Coke, don't exercise. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about food, well, that's freaking the poverty spirit. Right. right. The, it's, it's all those things, right? So don't save money. Mm-hmm. You know, don't delay gratification there. Just whatever. I mean, that's how people pass down like generations of poverty. Totally. Get on welfare. Right. It's just a cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, welfare is great if if you found yourself in the worst possible scenario and you're working your way out of it. Right. No shame. Right. But don't keep that mentality because, man, I'm probably not even going to get there anyways. And mm. Right? It's a lot of totally. work. So totally. that's what I would say. That's really good. <laughs> that's all really good. I feel like we... Went all over. We did. Touched all sorts of subjects. This is great. Oh, you're the best. Oh, thanks for having me. It yeah. was so fun. Yeah. I think, you know, for, for men, it's really helpful to actually sit down and evaluate your life. Yeah. And take a look at like, how much anxiety do I have in my life? And why is it there? And mm-hmm. what do I need to do in order to, you know, live a, a more peaceful, healthier life? And, and yeah. so sitting down and taking a look at that can be a good thing for guys to do. Yeah. Checking in. It's really good. Awesome. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Have an incredible week. Stay brave.
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Brave Co. Podcast. If you like this podcast, would you please rate it, review it, leave us a great comment. And if you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and family. That helps us to spread the word. Guys, stay brave. We'll see you next week.